The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod, Pod Yourself, Yourself a Gun, a Sopranos podcast where Vince and I go through every single episode of The Sopranos and talk about it. Wow, as Vince, you didn't... I know, I let you have that one, it's fine. Uh, yeah, but you threw me off. I, you know, usually that's it's become your thing to also say and talk about. Oh, never mind, doesn't matter. The point is, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in once again. Uh, against Vince's wishes, I'm going to suggest that you go into uh, the Apple Podcast Store and give us five stars and a review because it helps us out a lot. Vince doesn't want me to do this up front. He wants me to wait till the end. But you know what? Fuck Vince. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. <laughs> I, was, I was a little too far. Uh, but, uh, yeah, go ahead and do that for us. It would be very helpful and let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is, I think only our second repeat guest in this entire series. You, you heard him early. You heard him early on. He was on the very first pod yourself a gun and he's back again today. The chief TV critic for Rolling Stone and co-author of the Soprano sessions in stores now our guest is Alan Seppenwall. Hey guys, uh, am I going to be able to follow everything that's happened on the podcast if I haven't been here since the pilot? Um, probably. No, it's the same. Just imagine, just <laughs> extrapolate the pilot to the rest of the other episodes of the podcast, and you're pretty much there. All right, yeah. good. Good. Like re- remember, good. remember, uh, you know how there was like a, a lot of like uh, musical drops and and bumpers and weird edits and whatnot. Uh, it's sure. It's it's that, but but worse. It's it's more of that. Matt made me wait. rename the Wayback Machine the Remember When Machine, but I think that's I think it's I think you get it. It's it's the same thing. So yeah. the whole podcast is still the lowest form of discourse. I got it. Yeah. Okay. Yes, exactly. yes, the lowest of the low form of Sopranos discourse. You know, <laughs> I mean, just compared to everything else you have probably done alan uh regarding the sopranos this is uh we're talking broad we are going broad because that's uh that's what we do here yeah 
And uh, so, Alan, this is your second time on. Uh, since the last time you were on The Sopranos. Since um, you've been gone. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, it's good. Go sing a song. No, that's, yeah. <laughs> well, I was just giving you an idea for a later audio drop because I know you like those. Yeah, sometimes I add them in post, but rarely. Um, since you've been gone. You will respect me. So, uh, Alan, since the last time you were on, we actually uh, we we had uh, another bit that we started doing called uh, corrections uh, from the previous episode, where people like wrote in to correct us, and you actually um, you actually were able to get us one of those uh, from the main man himself. It was uh, David Chase actually gave us uh, a correction and. I, I forget what it was about. It was about was how it, we pronounce something. Yeah, it was about it was an Italian. It was a uh, Neapolitan dialect correction. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I guess the question I had about that, I've been wanting to ask this for uh, a long time now. Did David Chase actually listen to the <laughs> podcast? I don't know. It's we we have sort of a. A relationship that's often at a distance. So mm. sometimes we communicate, sometimes not. You know, I think right now he's like buried in work on the movie. Sure. So, you know, I he has not emailed me in a while, but like I will sometimes very randomly get a message from him about something I wrote or some appearance I did. I'm like, wait, wait why was David listening to this or why was David doing this? So oh, no. sometimes he has a lot of time on his hands and sometimes none at all. I was at when I was at Sopranos Con, like yeah. someone who works for him was there, like sort of just taking photos for him and telling him like what was going on, even though he himself very, pretty wisely decided not to go. Yeah, no, that was I think a smart uh, decision on his part not to go, but to watch from afar. Um, but I mean, just based on that alone, it seems like there's a chance that David did listen to this podcast. Uh, and it is entirely possible. Yes. Which, uh, if, if David, if you're, if you're listening now, um, stop. Hey, what's up? If you got any, <laughs> stop listening now, stop listening now. <laughs> I don't need that kind of scrutiny in my life. Yeah. Um, and, and also if you like have a couple extra roles for like a Jew and another meaty Italian man in, uh, in, in your movie, I'm not sure if you're done filming yet. I saw some stills. They look good, but they look like they're missing a couple of podcasters who could show up in the seventies. We could be radio guys or something they, you know, just like, just throwing it out there, you know? Yeah. We'll just be in the we, background eating, uh, eating a slice of pie. I yeah. What's the deal with Nixon? You hear, you hear about this Watergate thing? <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, we're... we're, we're G. Gordon uh, Liddy. G. <laughs> this guy's shitty, right? <laughs> I don't think the FCC would approve of that, Vince. No, that's... Yeah, that's true. Hey, it's not TV. They, it's HBO. <laughs> Did they ever do that? They should have done that. Um, anyways, Alan, we're, we're, we're very excited uh, to have you on uh, because today is the season finale of uh, The Sopranos Season 3, which means it's the season finale of this podcast. Um, and before we get into talking about the season finale, uh, as we do every podcast, it is time to play the theme song. Nope. <laughs> there we go. Hold on. All right. Got it. Very close. Pod. 
Pod. Pod. Podcast. Pod. 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 Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today we're talking about from season three, episode 13 of The Sopranos, uh, and it is called Army of One. Is it called Army of One or The Army of One? It's called Army of One. Just Army of One. Uh, And this episode premiered May 20th, 2001. Vince, can you break us off a little bit of the synopsis? In the season three finale, yet another academic misstep by AJ forces his parents to contemplate military school. Tony orders Ralph to deal personally with the Jackie Jr. situation and later seems to take Ralph's side in a money dispute with Polly. Once again, the family gathers in Artie Bucco's restaurant where Meadow reflects on being a soprano. Yeah, they really, uh, they soft sold all of those things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, the academic uh, misstep was uh, stealing a test, uh, getting expelled, and also was it like pissing on a radiator. Um, uh, he, and, he and Egon did that. And then you've got, uh, you know, the uh, Meadow reflects on being a soprano. Uh, she mostly gets drunk and uh, yells at people, but uh, that's 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 essentially what happens in this episode. Um, before we get into that, though, uh, what was going on, Vince, at the time that this episode was oh, released? Oh, did you need cultural context for this? I sure did, yeah, Vince. Yeah, we do need that. And, you know, for that, we go to the Remember When machine. Walk, walk. Remember Remember when is the lowest form of conversation. Um, so yeah, so May 20th, 2001. Uh, on this day, there was actually an interview in the New York Post with Nicholas Pileggi, uh, who wrote Goodfellas, and they're asking him about The Sopranos. Um and uh, and this is what he said. The Sopranos is one of the great creations of popular culture during the last 30 years. David Chase has taken TV to a whole new level. He's made a leap on the same scale that Marty Scorsese made with Rage and Bull. Everything is complex, Pelegi gushed. It's the great one-liner, the gun, and then an even better one-liner. What is most original about The Sopranos, Pelleggi says, is that it combines daytime soap operas with the mafia genre. It combines intimate family dysfunction involving sex and a therapist with the classic themes of mob movies, revenge, the double cross, and constant jeopardy. Yeah. No, that's... Yeah. I think that's that's a pretty astute analysis on his part. Those are uh, all the things I enjoy about Sopranos, you know? Uh, Soap opera, a little bit of uh, psychoanalysis... Uh, and then, uh, you know, just a bunch of uh, Italians in uh, see-through socks being a bunch of badasses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, another headline from the post that day, will Pearl jam or will moviegoers... <laughs> Or will moviegoers harbor reservations about this big-budget extravaganza? That was a Lou Luminick headline uh, classic, and it's about whether uh, the $140 million that 
Jerry Bruckheimer and Michael Bay spent on Pearl Harbor uh, will turn out to be a good decision uh, or a bad decision. <laughs> and, uh, well, to be honest, I actually don't know whether or not uh, that movie made money. I know it was bad. I remember it being bad, but yeah. did it did it do well? I think it also flopped for the most part. I I don't feel like researching this one fully, but uh, I feel comfortable yeah, yeah, saying enough. that without looking it up. Um, I also, guess Pearl didn't jam. No, Pearl did not jam. I think that's the last time you can use uh, a Pearl Jam pun in a headline and have it yes. be like re- relevant or uh, you know current. Um, yeah. Also, on that day, May twentieth, two thousand one, Destiny's Child released Bootylicious. Oh, wow. Nice. Man. Landmark day. Um, it really is. Like, you forget. For booty just, acceptance. You forget how young Beyonce was, you know, when she, she started. The fact that now she's like, you know, I don't even know how old she is. She could be. Yeah, she you was know, actually it, 12 years old when that came out. I mean, right? It feels <laughs> like it. It's like, because she feels like now if you were asked, oh, how old's Beyonce? I'd be like 32. Two? I don't right. know. Like, I have no clue. Yeah, she's been 32 for 25 years. It's she's crazy. been bootylicious her entire life, mm-hmm. and God bless her. Bootyliciousness is, uh, defies numbers. Um, yes, it does. So Shaq and Kobe beat the Spurs in game one of the Western Conference Finals the night before. Yeah. Um, and then uh. on page one of the LA Times, there was a story about Chandra Levy, uh, which was, uh, that was, that was, Sa- an, I had memory hold that one. God, that, the name sounds familiar. Chandra Levy. Yeah, she what was the she... one. She had been having an affair with a congressman, Gary mm. Condit, and uh, and then she was found dead. And everybody, oh, what? everybody suspected Gary Condit, and he lost his reelection. Uh, and then in like 2011 or something, they caught some uh some salvadoran guy who had attacked two other women in the park and he got convicted of it but uh, yeah it sent me down this like gary condit rabbit hole because i was like gary condit what the hell happened to that guy um some notes he doing some notes from my rabbit hole after his departure from office condit moved to arizona where he operated two baskin robbins ice cream stores with his wife and son Oh, boy. When the franchise failed, Condit was ordered to pay the company $98,000 in a breach of contract proceeding. Oh, my God. In 2012, he was reported to be serving as president of the Phoenix Institute of Desert Agriculture, which listed its status as dissolved in the last corporate filing as of June 4th, 2015. He is currently a registered lobbyist with the state of California. Um, And then it has a bit on his uh, descendants. What do you think he's lobbying for? Oh, I don't is, know. Deserts? This is like, yeah, no, I'm not really sure what. I mean, maybe he's lobbying for like uh, I don't know, a 33rd flavor. Yeah, at Baskin Robbins. Um, in 2012, Condit's son Chad announced his intention Oof. to run for the House of Representatives as an independent. Uh, he lost in a top two election. Blah blah blah. Uh, and then his grandson Cooper, which is spelled C O U P E R. Come on! You can't. <laughs> you can't do that. Well, I guess you, we could call. It, does that mean it's cooer? Yeah. Is that like you just named them a verb? Coo- like that is. I I do not understand. Come on. <laughs> Cooper or cooer Condit was appointed to the series planning commission. That's placed outside Modesto, uh, and was denied reappointment reappointment in 2020 by the council. Uh, in 2018. Condit's other grandson, Chance Condit, and that's Chance is, with two N's. 
unbelievable. Oh my God. Unbelievable. <laughs> you guys are trying to convince people. Like, you're trying to, you know, like, uh, just claw your way back into the limelight. So your name, all your kids, uh, misspelled names. Um, he uh, he was appointed to the, oh, no. Yeah, Chance ran unopposed for District 1 Series City City Council. Uh, and, uh, and then he also has a nephew named Buck, which is ironically the most normal name in the that's family. That's the normalest name. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know. So that's the, how the, uh, that's how Gary Condit is doing after the, he was. That's how the Condit family is. After he well, finally is out know. from under the cloud of suspicion that he was under for his political career. Oh, he, I think he was out of uh, the cloud of suspicion as soon as, like, as soon as 9-11 happened, like, my memory was erased from, like, all the <laughs> old kind of, like, uh uh political scandals and whatnot like you just forgot all like i didn't remember gary condit at all until you brought him up wow um top movies shrek hell yeah first weekend for shrek the mummy returns and a knight's tale uh song still uh all for you by janet jackson and it's been a while uh from stained was the number one rock song until like (laughs) september of that year which is Sad, Ugh. sad comment. Not a on good the year times. for music. <laughs> no, no <it> <laughs> you know, I, it's like I almost I feel sad uh, at this being the uh, last episode of the season because of the fact that like if if the season were to keep going, we could continually just name drop stained. It's been a while <laughs> for twenty weeks. The American people were just. <laughs> hypnotized by those sweet sweet guitar sounds and we're like man it has been a while like that was those were the days man you know matt this was the first like big hiatus the show took between seasons three and four so when they came back for season four it had in fact been a while yeah Uh, we i promise will not be taking as long of a hiatus as the Sopranos did between seasons three and seasons four. So anyone who's going to like, you know, write to us every week for the next three, four or five weeks, like when are you coming back? I promise we'll be coming back. And now it is time to talk about this episode. Uh, This episode, once again, is called Army of One. Uh, Vince, you read the synopsis, but I, of course. Oh, you got the Bada B stories? I have my own synopsis. It is the Bada Bee stories. I really hope you didn't make them rhyme this week because I hate that. Well, you know, just uh, hope in one hand and shit in the other, Vince, as they say. I don't <laughs> yeah. know why they say it. Never really understood. See which that, one uh, fills up first. Yes, but yeah. uh, because I did. And um, the Bada Bee stories are as follows. <clears throat> When AJ steals a test and Jackie's laid to rest, that's B story. <laughs> when Nucci sees Green Grove, but Polly needs more schlural, that's B story. Jackie rings, ding-a-ling-a-lings, ding-a-ling-a-lings, but Tony leaves him hanging. AJ's expelled because he fucking fell for the principal's lie about DNA testing. This keeps going. When Tony gets brochures, Junior's cancer is cured. That's B story. (laughs) When Meadow seems to whine because she's had too much wine, she's a drunk. When Vito shoots Jackie on behest of Ralphie, that's B story. Scusa me, but Tony laments AJ's bad genes. That's B story. Thank you. Thank you. Mm, I... mm. 
That I, was a pity uh, clap, but yeah, you'll take I it. I actually didn't pick up the claps on the Zoom oh, on this end, so okay. uh, whew, that felt like bombing. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into it. Uh, general thoughts about this episode, Vince? Uh, yeah, I think it's a good... It's got a lot of good moments that I remembered. Um, I think it ends weird. It's very scattered. Like, they're kind of... I, I find that... Um, David Chase is maybe not so good at endings, and this is like our first uh, glimpse of mm. it at the end of this episode. I don't know. I don't, maybe that's too much of a broad statement, but definitely. Well, the, of uh, course, if if David is listening, what we mean is you're great at endings yeah. and everything that you do. Everything and that you do is we, great. We love you. We love you. And, and we and appreciate your family you. And come on the show. No, but uh, <laughs> it's great. And then I think they just kind of didn't know how to end it, and it fizzled out in a weird way. But I don't think that really takes away from. Uh, so many of the good things about it, I'll say. It doesn't take away from the season, but um, uh, Alan, I, I was I was reading the Soprano sessions, and you pointed out something that I I uh, completely agreed with in terms of this being the final episode, which was that um, kind of the best storylines that came out of the season, like uh, your you know Ralphie story arc or your Gloria story arc. Um, kind of got wrapped up, uh, at least Gloria's, uh, in the previous episode. So this one was wrapping up the story of Jackie Jr., which I, I think um, we can all agree Jackie Jr.'s presence on the show uh, was received tepidly, I think, by everyone. I mean, I think he's kind of meant to be received tepidly. Yeah. Uh, yes. You know, like maybe you think initially, especially because the first time we see him is at the end of season two when he's with with Richie. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this this kid's gonna be a problem. But very quickly, it's no, he's a joke. He pisses yeah. himself when he's helping uh, rob the Rutgers fundraiser with Chrissy. He met he, like he can't play Scrabble. He can't do anything. He's right. just completely inept. He does that whole like thing with Matouche where he gets Matouche's legs broken. <laughs> right. Um, so like, I mean, he's basically like he's an embarrassment. He's the He's trying very badly to imitate his dad and to imitate Tony, and it doesn't work. And so he's, like, not the most dynamic or exciting character. Yeah. So you have this issue which, like, Gloria was great, but Gloria gets essentially written out in the previous episode. Mm -hmm. So this is, I I like Army of One as an episode. When I went back to revisit it for the book, I went up liking it more than I think at the time. Mm. Because I think it works well as an episode. It's not a great finale. Right. Because it's, I, I, because yeah, it's just not, a, yeah. yeah. The, there were better stories elsewhere in the season, and they're mostly taken care of. And so it's just Jackie Jr. And then something that the show didn't usually do in its finales, which is there's a bunch of setup for season four. Because, you right. know, we're meeting Agent Cicerone, Johnny Sack approaches Pauly. There's a bunch of stuff that they then wouldn't pay off until they came back like a year and a half later. Right. They're doing a lot of setup work. And, you know, setup work is not necessarily uh, cathartic in terms of it being a good finale. It's just, uh, you know, it's a, it's a teaser for the next one, which is fine. Um, I thought yeah. Jackie Jr. worked brilliantly as a character. I think his whole purpose is to sort of yeah. be a cautionary tale for AJ, this guy who uh, is not street smart enough to be a gangster and maybe also kind of a pussy, uh, but also too dumb to make it in the straight world too. So he's sort of caught in between. And, you know, I was actually yeah. surprised in the moment when we learn uh, that Jackie Jr. gets killed, that Tony didn't like beat AJ over the head with it. Like, Hey, 
I mean, he he pointed it out. He's like, yeah, he points he it said, out. He just says, "You see," and he kind of yeah. underplays it, um, which I was surprised about. Like that seemed like it was, you know, a uh, an opportunity for a big lecture from Tony. But I, I like the way they did it, nonetheless. I mean, I almost feel like the reason it wasn't a big lecture is because Tony is not about to get into like a real conversation about the the dangers of right. crime with his son. Because <laughs> uh, that seems like, uh, especially the AJ of this episode. The AJ yeah. of this episode talks back more, I think, than I've ever seen him talk back. So much so that he gets uh, slapped across the face yeah. by Tony. I mean, so, okay. Before, yeah. we, before we move on from Jackie Jr. real quick, I just want oh, yeah. to... I wanted to point out that uh, I really liked what they did with him, which is that they made him likable at like two seconds before he gets killed. Like he was kind of like yeah. a prick this entire time. And then now he's uh, kind of remorseful and he's having this nice relationship with uh, uh, Omar and his daughter playing uh-huh. chess. And then they're like, oh, yeah, see how we created this cute little dynamic? We're going to have him shot in the head, back of the head by a fat guy. Uh, which I thought was wonderful. That was maybe like a harbinger of things to come from HBO. Yeah. I I think in general, like post-mortem on Jackie, uh, literally is um, after like doing this rewatch, I have realized that uh, the, everything that I didn't like about Jackie and the, the Jackie Jr. Storyline in general, and even like the acting earlier when I first saw it, I realized now um, was, pretty intentional and ended up doing uh, uh, kind of the exact job you wanted it to do, which is that every time he's on screen, you're you're groaning at him because he's just so inept and he's so bad. And it's like uh, watching, watching him, uh, number one, trying to be a gangster when he's clearly like the biggest pussy in the room of any like individual room that he's in. But then also like watching the the kind of classic fail son story arc of somebody who is like uh he you know he can't get it together enough to like stay in school he wants to be a badass but he's also like uh what if i got into men's fashion like he's the, the sopranos has done a really great job of like making uh like showing all the classic traits of fail sons like when when uh later in the series you've got aj wanting to be a um what what was it like a party planner uh it was an event planner yeah wants to be an event planner he wants to be donald trump's helicopter pilot um there's a whole bunch of different career paths he explores and these are like career paths, uh, you know, and, and this includes men's fashion. It's like these are career paths that like uh, uh, rang so true to me for like people that I knew growing up who mm-hmm. like because I, I went to a public school, but I went to a public school in uh uh, the west side of LA. So we had some people who were whose parents were like in the industry and whatnot, and like uh, they wanted their kids to go to a quote normal school, right? So like these were rich kids going to a public school, and they all had no plan for uh, like what they wanted to do with their lives or any interests and in anything in particular. But they loved to party, and they were like, "There's got to be a way to monetize this." <laughs> so they would, yeah. so it was, you know, like uh, or so they would, you know get they liked men's fashion because they it, they liked men's fashion you know what i mean like they they wanted to get yeah, they into liked wearing things. good clothes 
they liked wearing good clothes so they were like what if this was my job like yeah. <laughs> it was it's kind of perfect and I, uh you know you feel bad for jackie because unlike most fail sons who are like they can just start being in their family business you know all of a sudden you know their their dad is a you know hollywood producer and then you get crystalia right <laughs> like uh, like instead he jackie is too weak to actually well, yeah, carry on the family legacy i think my favorite thing about jackie is that like he knows uh like, he knows the uh roadmap of cutting corners like the fake it till you make it um oh, kind yeah. of thing where you you know you try to manipulate other people and you you think you're, you you like make them think that you're something that you're not by sort of acting the part, but like it, it, the the best thing about him is that like you can tell that he thinks he's acting the part, but nobody in the room believes it for a second. So yeah, he's like go he's going through the motions of doing it, but it just it's not working in any way, and uh, it's really enjoyable to watch. Well, I mean, we knew he was doomed from the start when he disrespected the pizza parlor. Like once <laughs> yeah. you've once you've done that, there's nowhere to go but down. Yeah, you got to respect the pizza parlor. You got to respect the pizza. But yeah, um, no, but going to AJ. So like the first scene, where where are they? They're like in the basement stealing. Uh... They're they're in front of. Uh, I I so I from what I can tell, they've hidden themselves uh, on school property. I think outside, right? And they're waiting for the. Janitor? They were like the boiler room, I think. Yeah, the boiler room. Maybe okay. So they're inside the school. So they've hidden I didn't, themselves. Like, I didn't know if uh, pissing on the boiler or pissing on the radiator was like a, some sort of tried and true East Coast prank because we don't really like have we don't have that stuff. So we're kind of like, oh, what what's happening there? What's going no, on? No, I think it's it's more it's more like Sean Gismonte, like when he had to take a shit during the cat burglar heist. Yeah. It's just right. when yes. you gotta go, you gotta go. Okay, got it. Yeah, that's true. It's this kind of like general sign of weakness. I think that if you uh, if your body starts um, demanding things of you when you're in the middle of doing crimes, it's just <laughs> like a sign that you are weak. Um, and so, of course, Egon goes uh, and takes a piss, uh, and then of course that means that AJ has to go. And then they break in. To- Egon, very odd looking, by the way. He's a weird looking kid. I yeah. mean, you know, he's uh he's a he's a young kid. He's at that awkward age where most kids are weird looking, True. you know. Yeah. So uh yeah, anyways, Vince's take on that is that Egon's not hot enough. He's That's a little weird. weird looking. I don't know, just sort of weird looking in a general kind of way, you know? Yeah, but, no. but Jackie Jr. is hot looking and see where he, that takes him. Yeah. That's true. Well, being that's what ruins you is, is being good looking when you're, uh, you know, when you're yeah. in junior high and high school. That'll screw up anyone's life. Being good looking and having a cool dad, that is that yeah. spells death. You are definitely going to sell ecstasy to kids. <laughs> like, that's what that means. Um, but uh, yeah, so let's start then um, with... Uh, AJ's storyline because for me this is uh primarily an AJ episode in terms of like the storyline that I like the most um definitely because- they got my DNA was one of the <laughs> like like I didn't really re-watch the Sopranos like for probably 20 years and that was definitely a line that I remember I remember oh, that I- entire entire sequence like exactly yes so uh, they steal a test and then um, later they get called into the principal's office and they're forced to confess uh, in 
the most amazing way possible. I mean, you've got to hand it to this uh, principal for knowing exactly how he's going to trick these two fucking morons into confessing. <laughs> and uh, I, I have a clip of that. Both of you got 96% correct. Remarkable. If you cooperate now, it'll be easier later. All he did was study hard. I don't have to waste my time with you. It was both your urines that Mr. Lubomov spent two hours scrubbing. Your DNA was an exact match. Oh, jeez. He's the one who peed first. I didn't even have to pee till he did it. I could take another test. You could watch me. <laughs> Egon's crying is... Oh, jeez. That's Emmy-level fucking acting. That okay, is look, look. so good. I have to say something in defense of my man Anthony Soprano Jr. here, which oh, is please. Okay. In the in the episode earlier this season with Lady Gaga where they, they mm-hmm. wrecked the pool, you see the local police like basically put on a CSI episode yes. in order to track them down. So like he has some experience with overuse of local law enforcement resources to investigate <laughs> his pranks. So I can yeah. see him being primed to buy this particular ruse. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely like, again, he is a he's a freaking 16 year old, 15 year old kid, you know, like and the idea that you could trace someone's DNA from urines, as the principal said, <laughs> like it, at 16, that does not sound that far fetched. You're like, <laughs> the, the, it, and in fact, I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, even like adults like tony and people in his crew have said things like oh the things you can get from dna these days like like these guys are also afraid of dna testing and uh, and whatnot so to be fair aj is not a total idiot and he doesn't fully confess in that scene basically all he confesses to is that he took a piss and then he says he'll take the test again like Mm-hmm. I, I, I I give him a pass. He uh I mean it sort of just underscores how inept he is and why Tony would believe that he can't ever be in the mob life cuz you know like in in Goodfellas uh what's his name little Henry he's hanging out by the cab stand he gets one bad re- report card and the the gang like throws the mailman in the oven to say you don't bring <laughs> another fucking report card to my house. Yeah. Meanwhile uh aj soprano can't get away with anything like he he confesses to throwing trophies in a pool and then he mm-hmm. he, he can't even get away <laughs> with cheating on one test because he's so dumb that he confesses and he thinks the principal got his dna so it's like clearly he's not cut yeah. out for this life of crime yeah he no. also he did also flip on egon immediately he did <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so f- fair enough um so of course uh you know, uh, AJ uh, gets expelled. And uh, I think one of my favorite, this isn't my favorite uh, of the episode, but what one of my favorites is Tony um, and AJ kind of having it out that leads to him uh, getting uh, getting slapped in the face. Uh, and I, I have a clip of that as well. I work hard all day to pay for this 6,000 square foot house, big screen TVs, food on the table, video games, all kinds of scooters and bicycles, <laughs> Columbia University, and for what? To come home to this? Sucks to be you. <gasps> My God, Tony! 
This might be a cry for help. No, no more fucking schools at coddle him. He's going to military school. What? That's right, I got some brochures. You got school brochures? Yeah, from Janice. She was gonna send Harper there, but she didn't have the money and it was too fucking late. I'm not sending him away. We're looking at those brochures. I uh, I feel like that was, uh, you know, I'm not going to excuse child abuse, but uh, I think if I was that age and I said that in that situation, I probably would have expected to get smacked. <laughs> yeah, well. I think that is maybe the most warranted violence that you've seen on The Sopranos thus far. Uh, like, it, it is definitely uh, something to be expected when your mobster father is telling you about <laughs> all of the things that he has done to make sure you have scooters. Uh, <laughs> All kinds of and scooters and bicycles. <laughs> I love that just, line. Yeah. And, uh, and then just to be like, sucks to be you like that. Uh, you got, again, hand it to AJ. He's ballsy. He's ballsy. And in, in these uh, select moments, he has, um, I guess, just like a little bit of bravery comes through, you know, and, uh, and you almost respect it until, you know, he gets slapped and, cries and whatnot uh you just you you know he's he's just never given the chance to spread his wings and fly when it comes well, to being a badass you know who else uh, was a little shit when he was in junior high and got sent to military school don't you you no no donald trump <laughs> donald trump went to like military he got sent to military academy high school like donald trump is basically really? aj soprano yes oh shit i did not know that that definitely shines some light on it. I mean, I guess AJ really is just Donald Trump through and through, just like uh, the fail well, son of a, a more competent uh, father. He's AJ if AJ had a more coddling father, because apparently the story was that uh, Fred Trump was a huge asshole to Donald Trump's older brother, but let him let Donald get away with everything for whatever reason, because uh, he was uh, like a headstrong prick. And it's, at some point that came to a head... I forget what the inciting incident was, but yeah, Donald Trump had to go to military school, which is funny because it's like, that's such a staple of, I don't know, what, like 80s television telling a kid you're going to send him to military school? Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. It's something that like, I'm sure still exists, but you never really hear about it. Like there's not too many people I know who uh, were... You know, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I went to, uh, you know, UC Irvine for college and for high school, I was in military school. Like, you just don't, you don't yeah, hear about that it was too no, much. There was no military school near where I grew up that I could be threatened with having to go to. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you gotta, you, you gotta feel bad for AJ because once again, just like Jackie Jr., he's like, he's just, uh, he's too incompetent for anything that uh comes his way including like military school and uh, yeah, this, the whole exchange where he's asking like what oh like <laughs> where the guy from saw gets through his whole spiel about like their schedule at the military academy and aj's question is like what does oh five thirty mean again yeah five thirty a.m oh jesus which can you imagine having to get up at five thirty a.m every morning as a high school kid my oh, no. favorite is yeah. when AJ comes down the stairs in the, the military school uniform <laughs> and Tony, who is making him go to this place, starts laughing at him. <laughs> like That is the ultimate my father is a dick move yeah. right there. Like, I mean, come on. It was very much shades of Bobby Bacala putting on his uh, hunting outfit. To yeah, go. right. <laughs> 
<laughs> and Tony her. just laughing at him as he's like forced him up, you know, late at night to put on this suit so he could help him find, uh, you know, Polly and Chris. And he's still going to laugh at him. Like, maybe, I mean, guys, I know we're only at the end of season three, but so I may be going out on a limb here, but I'm going to suggest maybe Tony Soprano is not a nice guy. You yeah. know, not like the I'm best starting father. to see. Sh- yeah, <laughs> I'm starting to see shades of that, Alan. I'm starting to okay, think good. he might be like possibly a sociopath or or just I a mean, meanie. I don't know if I would go that far. Yeah, no, he's, he's just a meanie. He's not nice. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's not. not nice. He's not a good man. <laughs> um, and yeah, actually, I I have a clip from when AJ shows up with his full school uniform on and uh, and has a breakdown. Oh, Sergeant Bilko. You look very handsome. She's right, you do. Yeah, right. (laughs) No, I'm serious. Tight suit like that, it shows off your lats. You put on the hat? No way. Oh, please. We look so cute at the uniform company. You're not going to sew the hat. Let's put the hat on for your mother. No. What did you say? (laughs) Now, look at that. I'm serious. You, You look very impressive. Oh, my God, if I wasn't already married... I look what? like a total jerk off. What are you crying? <laughs> I don't want to go there. You need toughening up. Stand up straight, okay? I'm standing fucking straight. <laughs> <laughs> the tearfully crying, I look like a total jerk off, is so good because it's, you know, it's like he's he's clearly a uh, new metal teen, but has oh, inherited. Yeah. Is it most of his father's vernacular, nonetheless, and uh, that's like, the, yeah, yeah, and and I like that the hat is where he draws the line. <laughs> like he, like the hat he knows is the one thing that will turn this from just like looking like a school uniform to him uh, looking like. Uh, weirdly enough, a pansy, which is a strange thing because it's supposed to be a military outfit, and uh, I, I also love Tony threatening him. To put on the hat, you know, where he's just like, what the fuck did you say? You're not going to put this hat on? You put the fucking hat on. And uh, and then immediately, immediately crying while wearing a military outfit. Yeah. Uh, well, because, you knew the breakdown was coming at some point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's just uh, it's it's it is peak AJ to uh, to be mostly embarrassed that he looks stupid. And, uh, you know, because it, it's like it's less that he is fearful of like being surrounded by you know people with guns or like being some somehow a cog in the military industrial complex or he has no ideological uh like aversion to being in military school his big problem is he doesn't want to wake up early uh and he He doesn't want to look stupid doesn't want to look like an asshole and he's <laughs> yeah. like but wh- what about my skateboard and my friends and my Marilyn Manson posters like it's <laughs> taking out of him out of everything that he knows everything that's cool and rad about him yeah um, we get a clear uh, clear glimpse into what his motivating factors are um, yeah and yeah. then uh, and I then also, he faints yeah he faints I also enjoyed the well first of all like this whole episode the acting between Tony and Carmela is pretty excellent throughout oh, the whole yeah. thing and they you know they get the thing that all actors love is which is to like scream at each other and and land uh solid points in an argument and uh i love that scene where carmela's trying is gonna go sleep on the couch and 
Tony beats her to it, and then he goes and he slams the door. But just to make sure that he's punctuated the point, he has to slam it like seven times in a row, which feels like a very Tony move. Well, what's what's worse is that like he's he is slamming it to make a point, uh, but he is also frustrated that in his slamming of it, it does not close properly. <laughs> so, <laughs> but but he will not give up trying to slam it to make the point because what he really wants is one quick loud slam boom and the door is closed and he moves right. on but because i, I kind of wonder like i mean chase at, at gandolfini's eulogy told the story about him gandolfini like slamming i think it was a fridge door though and like it wasn't scripted that he did it seven or eight times but he did it that many times and he broke the fridge door and they had to cut and come back and fix it <laughs> But I wonder if he might have been talking about this now. I don't know. Well, he did. He also breaks the fridge door in this episode, too. Oh, that's right. Okay. Oh, the he low, does. Yeah, in the low main incident. Oh, man. Which that's is, right. Which is brilliant, because I feel like that's... Uh, the great thing about Tony is that he does have all of like a person's recognizable uh, fears and... Um and and idiosyncrasies and mm-hmm. like it's it's just a heightened gangster version of like the average suburban male's uh, yeah set of gripes with the world and yeah yeah no it, it really is just like it's it's so relatable to check the fridge for that low main that you've been dreaming about for the entire ride over and it's gone and blowing the fuck up yeah it's like um like it's it's he he's got suburban malaise plus mafia problems well there's a thing about being coming a suburban dad that is like uh like you feel infantilizes you in some way because it's like you go from having control of all the things uh in your fridge until and then now suddenly you're back to like sharing a house or space like with all these people and then uh and then you turn into the guy who's like where's my fucking low main where's this where's that who moved my slippers kind of thing and uh like just like maybe like an hour ago i went and yeah. i was like oh, i'm gonna make a couple eggs and i go in the fridge and there's only one egg and i'm like god son of a bitch and it's like, <laughs> and like yeah. you find yourself getting weirdly angry just because like you thought you had a thing and then mm-hmm. uh and then it's gone and then you're like irrationally angry about it the sound editors do such a good job on that show like that was just like yeah, someone yeah. threw a desk down some stairs to get that sound effect so I, was like, <laughs> I became in that fucking low main all the way to fuck over here now who came in here and ate my shit <laughs> all the way the fuck over here so good i feel like he probably that wasn't scripted that way but he uh you know he added a few fucks here and there yeah, no, I mean, you know, he's uh, he's a professional actor. You know? Brilliant, brilliant man. Oh, man. <clears throat> <laughs> and, oh. then, and then Polly does this, you know, T, not for nothing. Uh, <laughs> you seem like you're around a little tight lately. I mean, you're screaming about a low main right now. <laughs> we we got we got some murders to plan. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's a great scene just because I relate very, very much to... Um, expecting food and yes. not getting the food i expected and it's being so like stupid so, and asinine, someone needs to die but really it yep. makes you angrier than anything else just the idea of 
having your heart set on one food for like yeah. more than an hour and then being denied that one food for some reason it turns you into like a two-year-old it happened time. to me today i went to, to get takeout for lunch for the whole family and they messed up the order oh. and i'm like i'm not going back like taking another 20 <laughs> minutes to go there and back i'm just gonna eat whatever crap they gave us and i was so like you didn't want to be around me yeah, yeah. you're just like you're grumpily eating you're shoving it into your mouth like, son of a fart yeah. bastard. i yeah. hate this now <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So Tony is all of us, um, mm-hmm. and then the you know except for beating your kids, but he, he right. just reacts a little more strongly than the rest of us. Um, and I, also, again, we, we do not see Tony um, like constantly doing physical violence on his family, uh, or at least on his kids. Um, you know, and and even Carmela, you know, you don't you don't see him getting physical. And as someone who was in a family where there was like spanking and the occasional slap, I look at that slap and I go like, that was a warranted slap. Right. That is a slap. I feel that- like most people like you, I don't know. For, I don't know. My Like my experience was like, that was definitely not a regular thing, but like maybe once or two times through childhood, I said something I really shouldn't have and got a yeah. smack for it. And you're like, I don't know. You're kind of like... Yeah, that made sense. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I would not try to do that myself, but I can definitely see that. Uh, I don't know. It, uh, it AJ deserved that slap. Yeah, that is uh, that's my hot take for this episode. AJ deserved that slap, um, and apparently uh, that slap led to uh, reawakening something in his genetics. And he and he fainted, fainted, although he has fainted before. And uh, what's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat, picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket, outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And I do love the um, 
the excuse that Tony has of uh, his his genetics being uh, the family curse and the reason um, why anything um, like unfortunate has come upon him or his relatives in the past like he talks about uh, a relative who like drove like a cart off of a off of a road and died and you know he's like it's probably he probably fainted and just like in general he has he has this thing where he's hung up on his on his genes as uh as being like this this weakness that um is it bred in him yeah it's ingrained and uh nothing you can do about it nothing you can do about it uh except for go to therapy and uh you know obviously take medication um nothing is ever his fault guys no no it's his it's his uh, rotten fucking sopranos genes man right rotten fucking putrid sopranos genes. the putrid (laughs) that sells it that's a great word really is so another storyline in this speaking of psychoanalysis the one of the storylines that i really enjoyed in this episode is uh is polly and his mom where you know this is sort of setting up the idea that Polly's overextended and so he's going to be, uh, you know, kind of uh, grouchy about money and, and going to have some problems. But the reason is that, you know, he's taking his Nucci to live in Green Grove. And I, is this the, the is this the introduction of Nucci? Is this the I, first? Uh, I think so. This is the first Nucci episode. And my favorite thing about Nucci is like she's clearly like the anti-Livia. Like she immediately, <laughs> she's so happy to be a Green Grove. <laughs> yeah. She loves yes. Green Grove. Yeah. She sees people singing, and she's like, "Oh, look, they're singing my favorite song. I can't believe you live. <laughs> let me live in a nice place like this." And so she's clearly. I love that she is the opposite of Livia in every way, and you can yes. sort of extrapolate what that has meant for uh, Polly and Tony, respectively. Yeah, and and I, I have a clip of uh, Nucci and Polly uh, getting into Green Grove. <laughs> Even bigger sing on Parisian night, which is Fridays. Oh, Madonna meat. They don't eat snails, do they? Oh. No. Coco bear, blanket of veal. Wow. What's the matter? My son lets me live in a place like this. Aww. He's such a good boy. Yeah, well, who's the queen, huh? <laughs> Come on now. Try those peeps. <laughs> it's funny because like Livia, Livia reminds me of my grandma in so many ways. Um, oh no! Yeah, but then so does Nucci. So I feel like they're kind of together. They're kind of like the yin and yang of Italian grandmothers. And uh, yeah, but uh, Nucci, it's funny because it's like the the line reads are somehow they're somehow stilted, but then they also work just just because of her accent and voice and entire sort yeah. of persona. Yeah, I mean, she is a brilliant comic actress. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. and oh my like, me, they don't eat snails, do they? <laughs> yeah, ugh. and like, and also just like the idea of like her. She knows she's going into what she considers to be the fanciest place that her wonderful son can take her and she's like well of course this probably means you serve escargot like she's she's got this lovely like uh kind of she's kind of trash and uh and she's 
she she is but you know it's like this uh, but she's this sweet old italian trash that you just yeah she's the opposite <laughs> of livia so you you just you love her and her opening scene is the funniest shit ever like just the like screaming at her son how do i open this door like she's mi- she's just got like mid panic coming through she's her voice because she's inside a car and of course you know who could know how to open a car <laughs> oh it, it, she's just such a fantastic character and it's like uh it, it, yeah like you were saying it's uh this is a lot of setup you know this mm-hmm. this season finale sets up a a lot of storylines that we'll see you know in the next season and uh, the next few seasons and it, it sets up nucci and paulie's relationship and gives you this insight into Polly where you would almost expect like like in a cliche way Polly would be the one who has like uh, a mean mother you know right. has has olivia but then you see just like the fucking bizarro world Livia mother that uh Polly has and you go oh this actually makes more sense this this yeah. explains Polly so much i mean going back to goodfellas i feel like this is almost an established trope at this point where like the really sure. crazy one his only uh his only like real relationship with a human being is is his mother which is mm-hmm. basically the same for joe pesci's character in in both Casino and Goodfellas, I think, like where, uh, yeah. you know, his mom wants him to settle down, but he's like, no, I'm like, I'm good. I don't need all of my other relationships in life are transactional. Like I don't have, I don't have a wife or a family. I just have a Gumar, a series yeah. of them because, uh, you know, I got this doting mother and what else? Yeah, I got my mom. What else do I need in life? Which is it's kind of something also that... Um, that Carmela says uh, early on in in a previous clip that we played that uh, weirded me out, uh, which was uh, when she's looking at AJ all dressed up in his military. Oh, if she outfit. wasn't already married. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, "Oh, if I wasn't already married, it's like, wait, what? Finish yeah. that sentence." Like, uh, there's <laughs> there's this kind of uh, yeah, maybe it is just uh, this trope of I'm always. The, it's just I think that's just like a cutesy suburban thing, like the casual sexualization of kids and it has always creeped me out like you know when you give like a little kid uh like a toddler a shirt that says like heartbreaker or something like, yeah all right settle down like let them be <laughs> like, like we don't need you to se- we don't need to sexualize your kid to to for us to believe that he's a good kid like just let him be a kid i hate that shirt. i mean i I don't. I don't see like a heartbreaker not like shirt. A, not like in a QAnon way, but just like that's the only uh, value that like a person has. Oh no, I get it, Vince. Yeah. This is your cuties. Yeah, it is. <laughs> this is for, for you. You're like <laughs> this is Hollywood gone too far. It's also my thing with like child actors in general. Like I just the the process oh, sure. the process of people making their kids uh, like postcard cute uh, is just off putting in general. Yeah. So. Polly brings Nucci to Green Grove, and it's established that uh, there is going to be a $40,000 deposit that he will get to uh, the lady at Green Grove, uh, you know, in within the week. Um, and it kind of, uh, we learn that Polly was uh, involved in a small way, but in a meaningful way, in a, a heist 
that uh, Ralphie uh, and his crew pulled off, and Paulie wants uh, half of the money. I think they said they netted about $100,000, and Paulie wants 50K. Ralphie does this great thing where he avoids talking about it uh, uh, by having <laughs> Vito pretend to be Tony calling him. You get to see a little bit of uh, Vito Spadafore shine uh, in this moment. He has and, uh, two great scenes in this episode, which which is that yeah. one. I, like the casual comedy of uh, him just describing things while uh, Ralphie per, you know, plays the other side of the phone call. Um, mm-hmm. And then later... Or I don't know. I think it's before when he shoots Jackie Jr. and it just no, that ta- was later. It just takes him an excessively long time to get into the car because he's so fat. Uh, <laughs> brilliant! Like the slowest, the slowest a person has ever got into a car after shooting another person in the head is that scene. Can, can I get my Jersey nerd on here for a second? Oh, oh, please, please do. All right. So we are told that Jackie Jr. is hiding out in the Boonton Projects. Mm-hmm. Boonton is the town literally next to the town I grew up. On one side was Caldwell, where Tony lives, where David Chase grew up. Yeah. On the other side was Boonton. Like, it is, there are no projects in Boonton. It is a well-to-do <laughs> suburb. Later on, when Vito flees to New Hampshire and they need to like film the main street of this quaint New Hampshire town... That's Main Street and Boonton. Like what? The, di- the diner is right next door to where I bought my comic books when I was growing up. It's like not in any way a place where like Ray Ray and his daughter would be living and playing chess and Vito would come up and just shoot him in the back of the head. Yeah, What's another the- thing that I loved about that is that like uh, freaking um, Jackie Jr. is so stupid that he can't actually even flee. Like how hard is it to flee town? Like you know the mob is after you. Go somewhere else. But he somehow gets a friend to set him up, like in the town next door from the guy. Well, he gets another to... idiot. He gets another idiot friend because, yeah. like, <laughs> this guy is entire like. They'll uh, never catch me if I hide out with the black guy. <laughs> yeah, he's like yeah. his entire network is other idiots and yeah. other idiot fail sons and and like you know other mafiosos in training. So like half of their you know uh, knowledge about things like finding a safe house and whatnot is probably gleaned from watching television. And they're like, uh, yeah, you hide out with uh, some black guys over here. And like uh, the, the idea, first of all, Alan, why is there a reason then why they decided to make the Booten projects a thing? I don't know. I don't think we, we ever talked about that. I think like I brought it up in one of the interviews we did with Chase for the book and then we just kind of laughed, but I, I was not sharp enough to say, how dare you impugn the good name of New Jersey, David? Yeah. I think there were definitely some times where they just chose the names of nearby towns. I think David mentioned like there was a place he liked to go there to eat uh, too, and that that's why it came up. So sometimes like the geography of the show is not very realistic, and sometimes yeah. it's incredibly realistic. Like when Meadow runs out of Vesuvio yeah. and goes and runs across Bloomfield Avenue and nearly gets hit in traffic. Yes, like I worked at a bank next to whatever storefront they were using as the Vesuvio exterior as one of my summer jobs in high school. Yeah, you know, like that's some things they get exactly right, and some things they just stretch on because it's fun to do. Yeah, yeah. So I, let's get I, into I, yeah. Meadow now because. You know, I think this is this episode is mainly her arc for the most part. Uh, okay, because you know she go like she's acting out because Jackie Junior has been killed, and then you know she's telling off Carmela, uh, saying it was probably you know some mafia guy, and then 
Carmela has like her big grandstandy speech where she's like, "How dare you impugn the good name oh, of I I of love it. I, I love that Americans. Yeah, I I love that both um Meadow and Carm like First of all, Meadow and Carm's relationship in this episode is so uh, toxic and so real <laughs> that it, it like uh, it, it, it triggers me in a sense where where you've just like if you've ever had to deal with, um, you know, uh, I don't know, my sister, uh, <laughs> then like just you, you, two you, family women, family members in an argument, I think. would Yeah, where where you're like, you know, at, at one moment, you know, she's. Uh, Meadow is arguing that like Jackie was killed because of the family circumstances that we are currently in. You know, we're so connected to crime and that's probably why he died. And then Carmela is like, you know, does (laughs) Carmela gets woke and is like, wow, just because, you know, people have Italian last names that all of a sudden, you know, people think that everything was a mafia hit. That's really problematic of you. And uh, that's like her version of the Jack Nicholson speech in A Few Good Men. It's like, secretly, you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. Or or it's like the, or uh, Scarface, it's like, you want to make me the bad guy because you can say there's the bad guy. That's like Carmella. You need people like me. (laughs) That's Carmella doing that. Pull your fucking finger and say, there, that's the mafia. Sorry. No, it's just it's an episode about denial. Like everyone's yeah. in denial about everything, and so she like briefly, like she's so shocked by Jackie getting killed that for five minutes she's able to sort of speak the truth about who her dad is and what everybody does. Yeah. But like, if she wants to stay in the family, she can't do that. So right. she tells herself to then chew out like you know Jackie's sister for talking about it in front of a cousin or something. Yeah. yeah no, she quickly so she, she quickly learns how to be in denial from Carmela, which is which is great. Like you can see her the wheels turning where she's learning like, "Oh, this is something we all know but we don't acknowledge." And then later when yeah. uh Meadow is with uh her cousin or not her cousin but with Ralphie's uh, uh sorry no, Jackie uh, yeah, Jr's with, sister and then and and their cousin my favorite thing about that scene is is that um basically Meadow is mafiaing Jackie's sister while denying the existence of the mafia like she uses yeah. <laughs> she uses her own mob leverage to tell her the friend to shut up because she's basically uh She's really, she like has this whole speech and everybody's kind of like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then at the end, she goes, how dare you say this in front of an outsider? Which is basically, she yeah. is she is playing the mafia card while denying the existence of the mafia, which is fantastic. Yeah. And and I have a, I have a clip of that scene. It's called Meadow Discovers Angle. <laughs> <laughs> That's like her whole character. I love it. My brother's whole stupid, pathetic dream was to follow in our father's footsteps. What, I I gotta paint a picture? He he was killed by some fat fucking see-through socks. Take your pick, they all look alike. Actually, Kelly, you really have no basis to say that. We used to joke around about our families. What happened to you? Okay, I know this is a really painful time for you, but... Your brother's best friend was an Israeli ex-sealer. I met him. Wow, so it was international. Let's just drop it, okay? Yeah, right. I mean, if my dad still controlled all the crime in North Jersey like your dad does now, I'd probably want to drop it too. But then, it might not have happened. 
Wait, this is way beyond. Our dads are in the garbage business, and it's always good for a laugh, and yeah, they brush up against organized crime. But you think they control every slime ball and illegal gun in like a hundred communities? The fact that you would even say this in front of an outsider is amazing to me. <laughs> Jesus Christ, some loyalty? Yeah. Meadow, Meadow lives oh, to Meadow. say, well, actually. And I feel like uh, <laughs> if, the real, yeah. if the real Meadow were here today, she would be starting a lot of uh, respond, re- reply tweets with, um, and then yeah. whatever her point was. Yeah, she'd be like head of the uh, uh, the Italian Anti Defamation League. She'd be like, head of like the Italian faction of the K Hive, where she would be start, yeah. starting a lot of tweets with um. Actually, uh, yeah, I I just like Meadow kind of I I agree completely the way that she is able to completely deny the existence of like the mafia or like basically lessen it to a point where it's like oh this is not even a factor uh and then be like have some loyalty to the dawn <laughs> like she's, i must be loyal to my capo she's like doing this she, like fo- like this transparent phoniness with just a hint of plausible deniability where like you yeah know, it's like oh she might actually believe what she's saying but probably not well, so it's like it feels like a little bit of what Carm was saying kind of like got through to her. And, yes. and in a situation in which Carm isn't there, she feels free to take on that role. But then immediately uh, she has another scene with Carmela where she is in the car and they are just uh, like she's trying to explain her feelings about what's going on with Jackie and her mom is basically just trying not to upset her and trying to agree with her. And she, she just freaks out at her mother again. Um, and, uh, I, I have a, a clip of that as well. They let him do whatever he wanted. When you would ask him, like, aren't you afraid what your parents are going to say about, I don't know, whatever. And he would just go, they don't give a shit. And I think it hurt his feelings inside. Well, I'm glad you see. You're glad I see. What you take from this is an excuse to get intrusive and controlling. That is not what I'm talking about. Jesus. What did I say? Meadow, you are out from under our roof. AJ, then, you'll use it against him. Against him? I'm sorry I said anything. This is literally a situation which Carmela cannot win because, number one, uh, Meadow is sad. Number two, she's drunk. And number three, she is trying to process the fact that, like, her ex-boyfriend was definitely murdered. Uh, Probably uh, her father had something to do with it. And and she just can't, uh, you know, she doesn't know how to express that. Uh, without uh, yelling at her mom, who is in the family the safest person to yell about. So this all leads to uh, Jackie Jr.'s um, wake, uh, which is the end of the episode. And uh, Jr. is there at Vesuvio, um, and it's a pretty empty wake, uh, which is sad because it's like it's also a pretty empty funeral. And it's just because of the fact that the Super Bowl is happening. <laughs> yeah. All of the mafia is too busy to work to Great give touch. a shit. Yeah. Yeah. Just to, to give a shit about the death of Jackie Jr. And it's like, it's sad, but there's something about Rose kind of like being resigned to the fact that, oh, I know there's actually a perfectly 
normal mafia reason why no one's here to mourn the death of my son and it's betting is happening meanwhile junior has sort of taken the uh, office space uh hypnosis where he, he has you know had a near-death experience and now he kind of doesn't care anymore which is uh yeah it's great <laughs> And and Junior at Vesuvio is able to sum up uh, the entire character of Jackie Junior in just like a few sentences. Uh, and I, I do have a clip of that. It is Junior calls Jackie stupid at his wake. Sad day. Mm-hmm. Kid was always a dumb fuck though, wasn't he? And he almost drowned in three inches of water. The penguin exhibit. <laughs> Jack tried to lay off all Jackie's problems on a learning disorder, but well, stupidity would be a learning disorder, wouldn't it? I love those things where, like, the the writers give you a punchline with no joke. Like they give they make yeah. reference to the penguin exhibit. Yeah, and something happened where he almost drowned, and I don't know what it is, but it's really funny in my mind that I'm connecting the two somehow. Yeah, it is like the world building that gets done and just kind of these offhanded quips, these like little jokes is uh, it's just so vibrant. Like it could because the penguin exhibit almost drowning. Like, I don't know what happened, but I do know what happened because mm-hmm. I can see a little Jackie Jr. accidentally like trying to get into the penguin exhibit because he wanted to play with the penguins and then he falls in the moat and then <laughs> almost dies just trying to play with the penguins because he's a dumb fuck and you know it was it was written you know that he would be a dumb fuck it was written in his genes in his blood in his life story this dumb fuck was going to die one way or the other and uh and yeah it's 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 tragic all the more because of the fact that people were going like well yeah this was expected (laughs) you know yeah um so do we want to do we want to sum this one up with favorite least favorite? Um, yeah, let's let's do that. Uh, Alan, do you, do you have like a, a favorite scene or a least favorite scene? I mean, I don't love Junior singing that it goes on as long as it does, <laughs> but like I kind of get the point of it, and it's it's also there to drive Meadow nuts. But I think that's part of what I get into, and like when I say that it's a good episode, but maybe not the best finale the show did. Yeah, like this is the last time you're going to see the show for a very long time, and it's Dominic Kinney's who has a lovely voice, mm-hmm. but he's just singing Italian song for you know what seems like forever. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's yeah. Fair. They also yeah, that's also my least favorite, where they sort of uh, I mean the the outro is him singing the song, and then they like dub it with songs in other languages. Um, and that's like a thing that, uh, I feel like that's a, a classic mistake that's, I call it a mistake. People can talk, call it what they want, but I think there's this mistake that people make where they want whatever their story is to be universal. And so they like make it, uh, like they try to do this overt illusion, like, no, oh, see the Italian song is just like a Chinese song, which is just like a Spanish song. Cause all yeah. our, we all sing songs. Right. And I feel like, <laughs> I feel like people, if you make something specific and detailed enough, everybody will yeah. find something universal in it. And that's why it's good. Uh, yeah. It's like, called being broad. Yeah. The thing that you don't do is like make this artificially broad. It's kind of the same thing that uh, Spike Lee does at the end of Malcolm X, where it's like, he's just done this great movie. 
uh, probably like one of his best movies. And then he ends it with like a group of school children saying like, I am Malcolm X. And it's like, yeah, we just got that from the the movie that you just made. Like you don't have to do <laughs> yeah. this weird. Uh, yeah. You don't have to That's like true. do. Yeah. Try, try to be the critic of your own movie at the end. Yeah. Like, Spike Lee did that too with the, uh, the end of um, Black Klansman where they like show Charlottesville at the end. And it was like, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, we, that we was got like it. last year. Yeah. yeah, that was the whole. That's kind of half the reason that I watch this movie. I, I, I get it. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, so for me, I would have to say um, my favorite scene would be Low Main. Uh, <laughs> but my least favorite, I have to agree with you. It's like the 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 four songs ending, um, especially given that that song. Uh, it's a core un, un grato. Is that what it's called? I don't know. Um, yeah, Ungrateful Heart. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it's like, it, it's actually like this really beautiful song uh, in the original uh, Italian. And they, they do a good job of it, but it's like, it goes on a little bit too long. I agree. Um, but I found this recording uh, of oh, it. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I I just want to play a little bit of it because it is, it's a beautiful song. Okay. It's This is a rare recording uh-huh. that I found. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. You know, like uh, I found it in the back of a record store. Uh-huh. Uh, Vince, I don't know why you're <laughs> sighing. I found a rare recording of a, a beautiful song. Okay. Well, I like and to hear I, it. I just want to hear it. I'm just impatient to hear the song is all I guess. And I would like to play a clip of it. Uh, okay. Yeah, I've, I've got it. It's called Core, uh, Core Original Version. No, this is not me, it's the original. (laughs) Okay. Alright, well, you know, you get it. That's, um, you don't need to. (laughs) Oh, I very much get it, yes. Yeah, so. uh, There's like 15 more seconds of that, but. Uh, you know, that's, I think uh, that's uh, that's the song. You know, I found it again, like I said, old record store, and I was just like, oh, what a beautiful song. And uh, yeah, as oh, as someone who's not uh, Italian, mm. um, you know, uh, I, I got to say, I don't know what those lyrics mean, but Gabagul Vafangul. Yeah, it just sounds. You, su- you summed up our culture. You did it well. It sounds like a, it's a beautiful song uh, about uh, about a woman uh-huh. and love. <laughs> we haven't even talked about Cicerone, by the way. We we can't go without getting into the Feruza bulk of it all. Yeah, that's true. Did you that's true. were you guys watching the show when it originally aired? No, uh, I, yes, I, 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 I was. I, I wasn't watching it um, when this season uh, i started watching it in the fifth season when it originally aired it's funny because cicerone means that someone it's like a beer version of a sommelier oh i did not know that that. yeah uh but yeah that's her name that's the that's the hot fbi agent right right but there's a story about feruza balk 
originally being oh, right. this yeah. character? What, okay, yeah, go for that. I want to hear that. So in the like, that's why I asked if you'd seen it originally because when it originally aired, Agent Cicerone is played by Feruza Balk from The Craft. I and wow. I, I don't know if I saw it in time for it to see to see Feruza Balk, but yeah. Yes. And as happened a couple times on the show, they recast the role later. So when the show comes back for season four, it's Lola Glaudini as Cicerone is the one you remember. But they did something they never did for any other time they recast a part, which is they went back and they reshot both the Feruza Balk scenes in this episode. So like you, be, you have to go to YouTube to see yes. any evidence of her as Cicerone, hold on. I'm gonna drop a uh, like a a link to a photo of her into the chat here. Oh, please do. They like they Mandela affected her. They tried to they they wiped her they off the map. Her. Yeah, like the original Father Phil is still in the pilot. Like there's a couple other characters. Yeah. Like you know Silvio's original wife is there before they cast Maureen Van Zant. But like. Feruza Balk does no longer exist in The Sopranos. So did they oh, recast wow. her because they didn't like her at her performance, or was she a pain in the ass on I set? D- I, that's one. That's one of several mysteries about the show. I've never gotten a satisfying answer to. I think you know something obviously happened. I don't know what. I have no idea who was actually to blame. But they memory hold her, and she's gone. And you know, you can't if you watch the DVDs, if you stream it anywhere, it's always yeah. You can't find it now. I mean, uh, I have to say, I did like Lola Gladini in that role where, you know, she kind of walks in and everybody's like, uh, you know, tucking in their stomachs. And and yeah. then, you know, they they have to turn her into uh, a real, a uh, real, a real Guido. Yeah. And she does a good job of it. I mean, I do wonder what happened with Feruza Balk. It could just be, uh, you know, that, uh, that they found a, a better agent cicerone i don't know who knows nobody knows and at some point uh feruza if you were listening to this <laughs> podcast which i'm assuming if you were going to listen to any sopranos podcast it would be this one sure, mostly because yeah. we're the only one uh this is an open invitation to come on and tell us what happened because yeah. uh i would have loved to see you as that character i think um, she's off with the russian yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they're together that's, in the Pine Barrens. And, and that's the other thing we did not even get into here, which is at the time this episode aired, mm-hmm. like I was covering the show for the Star Ledger. So we had like the most insane of insane Sopranos fans. And everyone was convinced that the fucking Russian was yeah. going to come back in this finale because why would they do it? Like they'd sort of accepted, all right, he's not going to be there and at Murfu, but like they have to deal with the Russian here. This is where it's going to be. And instead, Junior sings his song, Meadow Runs Into Traffic, the end. And everybody was so mad at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I I, I get it because, like, it is, uh, it is an anticlimactic uh, episode. I mean, for a for a season finale, it is anticlimactic. You 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 don't really get any of the catharsis that you kind of wanted. Even Jackie's death, you kind of feel like, oh, they just kind of took care of that, you know. And uh, you, you know, you feel you don't feel. Uh, and, and yeah, I think you spend the rest of the series wondering when the Russian is yeah. going to come back. And uh, which to me is kind of amazing. Like I almost I, I respect it more. The fact that they just kind of let let that go and let it be just kind of this running tension. Especially throughout. since like the Sopranos otherwise, like you said, it, you know, it's not a show that leaves many open ended uh, storylines. It tends to it tends to open and close at least, you know, up until this point, it's mostly 
finished arcs within episodes and uh and this yeah. one very much didn't yeah the other but uh there's another weird moment in this episode where uh meadow uses the word perseverate and uh, yes and yes i had to rewind that twice i was like did she, what the fuck did you just say like i i went to columbia uh word school and i still like i like <laughs> i've never heard a person use perseverate in a se- sentence in real life before it was definitely something she was waiting to do, which I, I do yeah. love about the the way they write Meadow is they, they write her, you know, ever since college, waiting to say college shit to her mom. Yeah. You know, waiting to show uh, how smart she is and that she's too smart uh, that and that she's smarter than her family, which is uh, actually plausible. Um, but yeah, all in all, I would have to say uh, solid B+. You know? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, this episode has a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have yous. But uh, yeah, I think I, I think I come down as a solid B plus. Solid B plus. Yep, that is uh, Alan. If you had to rate this episode between B plus and solid B plus, how would you rate this episode? I, I would rate this episode the same way that Christopher rated Kundun, which is to say, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Marty. Kundun. I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> I liked it. Oh, very, very good. Um, Alan, thank you so much for uh, coming on uh, the pod again. Guys, it's always a pleasure. It's always great having you. Uh, love to have you back whenever you can do it. Uh, and again, you are only the second uh, repeat guest that we have had on this show. The The first was my girlfriend. And mm. that's that doesn't even... that Technically, that makes you my boyfriend so i'm i'm gonna have to tell my wife about this and we'll we'll have to have a conversation we'll have a conversation maybe about we it. can work something out what's, i feel like we can what's the boy version a of a gumar this is my good i don't know guman my, my, my you're the italian here vince if anyone <laughs> knows what the answer is it's you <laughs> this is my guman this is my guman guman no, guman had means something else entirely and we definitely don't definitely a different thing now. let's know what we won't call you our goo man but once again uh, alan seppenwall uh you can get his book the soprano sessions uh in stores now uh check it out on uh, all of the online retailers and in person if you wear a mask um thanks so much for coming on uh patreon.com slash broadcast and today is going to be the very first day that we at pod yourself a gun are going to be name dropping the new tier subscribers that's right for eight dollars uh you get uh to pod yourself a shout out on the show and also you get access to all of our bonus episodes of the broadcast that uh that we put out so you know for those of you out As there if we who don't are like, do enough for you with all the scooters and all kinds of bicycles <laughs> <laughs> we do a lot for you, but we've decided that beyond just listening to us every week uh, talk about movies and television and internet shit, um, for $8 a month, uh, we'll also uh, shout you out on uh, Pod Yourself a Gun or on uh, the broadcast if we are in between seasons, which we are about to be. So without further ado, I would like to thank some of our $8 subscribers. First, it's William Seaman. Porter. I'm trying to hold on. Seaman's not a good. I need to come up with a mafia name. I promised a mafia name. Uh, we'll call him Bill. Uh, Bill the the Billy the Bush. All right. Billy the Bush doesn't work. 
I like uh, it. I like it. Billy the Bush. Okay. Thank you, uh, Billy the Bush. And then you we also see the have... Bush on this guy. Uh, ben. Uh, ben. Uh, just uh, it's the whole name, Ben. We'll call you Benny the Beak. And then we got <laughs> Ryan. Uh, you know, Ryan the Lion. Lion is good. Uh, <laughs> and then Mark. Marky Mark. And the, the funky fuck. God. Uh... I shouldn't be the one doing this. All right. Mark, thank you so much uh, for, uh, you know, uh, being a subscriber. And then finally, uh, Brett Crawford, the crawfish with his craw hands. Anyways, it's worth the money. (laughs) Patreon.com slash Frogcast for all the bonus episodes of the Frogcast, which is me and Vince talking about other things other than Sopranos. So do not go a week without hearing us pod about something. Let me Uh, leave. Okay. <laughs> Broadcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, concerns. Vince, what is the Google Voice number? 415-275-0030. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, don't stop believing. Don't stop. Gabagos tonight and finish your brajot or I make a pizza pie and I feel disgrazia Maroni Maroni Gabagos lamp when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.